0: Welcome to Dark Poutine, I'm Mike Brown, creator and host, with me as usual, is my good friend and co-host and uh, Jitwad, Scott
1: Hemingway. The king of the Jitwads. Right. Yeah. I think it's cool to be a Jitwad. I am I want a crown m- made that says Jitwad king. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. You could be my Jitwad queen. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, I'm just there, just trying to be a nice guy.
0: Let's get to it. Do it. Dark poutine is not for the faint of heart or squeamish. As our content contains mature themes, harsh language, and graphic descriptions of violent crimes, listener discretion is strongly advised. We're not experts on any of the topics we present, nor are we professional journalists. We're just two regular Canadians interested in the darker side of Canadian history. Put on your toque, grab yourself a double-double, and on a Naimo bar, it's time to scarf down some dark poutine.
1: That's the new opening. <laughs> that song's l- not as impactful when they can't see your hand movements and facial expressions. Yeah, this unemployed mic is interesting. Well, I'm far more relaxed.
0: <laughs> you don't say. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is episode 25 of Dark Poutine. Uh, so our story this week is about Swift Runner
1: and his Wendigo. Do you know what a Wendigo is? I do not know. Is it, do people uh, pack the family into it and go driving and camp in it? No, that's a Winnebago. Oh, okay.
0: No, we'll talk about what a Wendigo is later on. And a Winnebago? Yeah, This this story takes us to Fort Saskatchewan, which is actually not in Saskatchewan. It's in Alberta, just oh. outside of Edmonton, about 25 miles away and it's a city of just
1: over 24,000 people. Of course it wouldn't be in Saskatchewan. No. Because Canada. Yeah. Well we had what we had like uh uh six football teams in the CFL and two of them were named the Rough Riders. Yes, exactly. I mean, Canada. Yeah, yeah, you you can't really you can't really top that. No. That kind no. Of
0: <laughs> Five names you're like, "Well, we ran
1: out. <laughs> we got to use another
0: this is probably the oldest story that we've done mm. uh, on Dark Poutine. It dates back to 1879. Oh, I remember that year. Do you? Mm-hmm. I remember it was 1979. A good year. It was a good year. Okay, but this is 1879, Scott.
1: Yeah, I heard you.
0: He has trouble with time.
1: Oh, do I, or do I just travel through it? Oh. It's Dr. Who over here. That's what I'm
0: saying. Oh. Uh, one of the indigenous residents who lived nearby uh, Fort Saskatchewan with his wife and seven children was Cree Trapper and Hunter, and his name was Swift Runner. Hmm. All who knew him were horrified by the crimes that Swift Runner was eventually tried and convicted for. That was butchering and eating his family.
1: Oh, we're off to a good start here.
0: Yes, we're wow. off to a very good start. Wow. Obviously, this is going to be a rough episode, and I can't warn you enough about the content of this story. I'll warn you once more as we get into the brutal details of uh, Swift Runner's crimes. But if you are put off by brutality against children, specifically uh, an infant, I would go listen to some uh, Katy Perry or something else. (laughs) Yeah, this isn't going to be the episode for you. Yeah, yeah. If you're willing, strap in and we'll 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 get we'll get going here. Swift Runner, or Kakse in the Cree language, was born in the winter of eighteen thirty nine in a Cree encampment in what was to later become northwestern alberta it was at the time the northwest territories
1: Hmm, okay Mm -hmm.
0: swift runner lived up to his name running and playing with the other cree kids he learned to make his own weapons to hunt small game with he was adept with bow and arrows very useful at that point in time yeah you you literally are hunting for your own food absolutely Uh, he also helped to feed his family early on trapping rabbits and prairie chickens exactly He was taught to revere the land and wildlife and grew to understand the importance of respecting nature and to know his place in it. Mm -hmm. From the Canadian Encyclopedia, the Cree worldview describes the interconnectivity between people and nature. Health and happiness were achieved by living a life in balance with nature. Religious life was based on relations with animal and other spirits, which often revealed themselves in dreams. People tried to show respect for each other by an ideal ethic of non-interference, in which each individual was responsible for his or her actions and the consequences of those actions. Food was always the first priority and would be shared in times of hardship or in times of plenty when people gathered to celebrate by feasting.
1: That's actually a beautiful worldview. Really? Yeah. Seriously. I know. Yeah.
0: I was, I've been pretty impressed by uh, what I learned about the Cree culture, albeit very little. While I was researching this episode, it's pretty interesting mm, stuff. That's beautiful. Swift Runner's mother taught him the Cree tradition of cleanliness as another way to show respect for the creator. Mm. So, uh, yeah, time to vacuum. Hey, I just did get a new vacuum. Did you? Yep. Yeah. Excellent. Swift Runner was taught to hunt larger game by older Cree men. Bison, which were plentiful at the time, were a particular staple. And moose were prized as well. Hmm. And I'm sure there weren't any highways for the moose to be running down and slipping on.
1: (laughs) No. No. Sadly, YouTube uh, must have been pretty boring back then. Like YouTube on a tree. (laughs) tree tube. Tree
0: oh boy. Swift Runner had limited contact with Europeans early on. His elders laughed over stories of white men bragging about their ability to survive on the land that his people had inhabited since the beginning of time. The beginning of the Cree world involves Whissaked Jack, or Whiskey Jack, <laughs> the trickster, otter, beaver, and muskrat recreating the land after being the only survivors of the Great Flood that was used by the creator to show displeasure with the people inhabiting the land. It's interesting that there's A flood in Cree culture, as well as Christian
1: culture. And a flood, like, in world destruction now. Okay. There's everything, it's always flooding. Everything's flooding. Yeah, I think it's a metaphor for
0: something. For life. Okay. Swift Runner grew into a large and powerful man. He stood six feet, three inches tall and was heavily built. This helped him in his hunting for large game, especially. Mm. Swift Runner was happily married to a Cree woman, and he and his wife began to have a family. Swift Runner was well-liked and mild-mannered. He was seen as a loving and considerate husband and a doting father. This is all sounding quite pleasant so far. Great guy. Yeah. Early on. Uh, The Europeans he dealt with mainly were traders from the Hudson's Bay Company, and he was considered fair and trustworthy by those he dealt with. hmm. Swift Runner and his people resented the influx of the European settlers.
1: Yeah, understandably.
0: With them, they brought not only diseases of the body, like smallpox and diphtheria, but those of the mind. The concepts of greed and gluttony did not fit with Cree beliefs, but with the Europeans, they were rampant. Yeah, you don't say. The newcomers set about taking as much from the land as they could, nearly hunting the bison into extinction by the time Swift Runner was in his 30s. Oh, wow. The land that had been claimed by the Hudson's Bay Company was sold to the government of Canada. So the Hudson's Bay Company says, well, this is ours, so we're going to sell it to the government of Canada. (sighs) I guess they didn't bother to ask the people who were living there.
1: Yeah, it's really, when you think back to those times, like it's really really quite disgusting. Yeah, it gets
0: worse. (laughs) Great. The Canadian government didn't want the same mess that the United States had had in their Western lands. So Mm in 1873... Canadian Prime Minister Sir John A. MacDonald created the Northwest Mounted Police, or the NWMP. Hmm. They were to ensure that as settlers headed west, Canadian law and order and good relationships between the settlers and indigenous peoples would be maintained. Okay. So it sounds noble enough. Sounds, it, yeah. The Northwest Mounted Police hired Swift Runner as a guide upon establishment of Fort Saskatchewan in 1875. This was founded by William D. Jarvis... The commander of the Northwestern Mounted Police in that area, mm-hmm. Jarvis, thought the spot would be a great place for a future railway crossing over the North Saskatchewan River. So the North Saskatchewan River, also not in Saskatchewan, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, it's the eighteen hundreds. Right. Although Swift Runner's relationship with the NWMP was basically good, he feared what this new establishment meant for he and his family. With order also came the chaos that necessitated its existence in the first place. Hmm. Many Cree and Swift Runner asked themselves, why do white men get to make the laws for people who had lived and thrived on this land for thousands of years? Hmm. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. Yeah. Swift Runner talked with family and friends of his connection to the spirit world. He often spoke of visions and dreams. He was becoming angry. It was harder to find food for his family as the Europeans were taking it all from themselves. He also said that he had begun to encounter the Wendigo. He claimed the creature was trying to lure him into cannibalism. Okay, well. Hmm. He was terrified that he would not be able to care for his family and this began to eat at him. Excuse the pun. pun. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Well. Wendigo is the anglicized form of the word Wittikau from the Cree language. And the word has many spellings across the Algonquin languages. And uh, the Cree are an Algonquin people. The Wendigo is a mythical, cannibalistic evil spirit that lives in the northern forests of Canada and the United States. So it doesn't sound like a very pleasant uh, creature. It gets better. Oh, does it? Swift Runner had been told tales of the Wendigo for years... He knew what it was. Wendigos are rumored to be huge, stealthy but fast creatures up to 15 feet tall with giant fangs and claws. Jesus. yeah. Their yellowed skin stretches over a gaunt but sinewy body. They are said to be able to imitate human voices to lure their victims, who are then dispatched by their immeasurable strengths. You sure this isn't Krampus? Their hearts are made of ice. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's not okay. campus although it does sound a lot like it, it it does from legendsofamerica.com according to Basil Johnson an Ojibwe teacher and scholar from Ontario the Wendigo was gaunt to the point of emaciation its desiccated skin pulled tautly over its bones with its bones pushing out against its skin its complexion the ash grey of death and its eyes pushed in deep into their sockets the Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from the grave what lips it had were tattered and bloody its body was unclean and suffering from separations of the flesh giving off a strange and eerie odor of decay and decomposition of death and corruption
1: yeah not i um, don't it, really feel like going to a movie with it it's under
0: your bed I was wondering what that smell was swift runner took solace in another of the europeans dark gifts alcohol mm. Perceiving the weight of the world on his shoulders and wanting to drown the voice of the Wendigo in his mind, in his 30s, Swift Runner began to drink heavily. Swift Runner's personality changed. Mm. He was known to burst into fits of rage when intoxicated. He became unpredictable. He would be kind and unassuming one moment and then irritable and petulant the next. His temper was quick and vicious. He showed unreasonable paranoia and lashed out at people formerly great friends. Which is not
1: a good marketing campaign for alcohol.
0: Not for this guy. People started to fear him and avoided running into him. They thought he was pretty crazy when he was drunk. Mm -hmm. Times were tough enough. People were starving, and it became harder and harder to feed a family. They didn't want to have to deal with this tool, too. Yeah, no kidding. Swift Runner stole furs to buy whiskey. The Hudson's Bay Company no longer trusted him. In 1878, Swift Runner went on a bender staying drunk for three months straight. Oh, wow. His family was starving to death and he felt powerless to help. The Wendigo in his head was taunting him constantly by this point. Mm. In December of that year, Swift Runner entered Fort Saskatchewan and started a fight with a white trader. He tried to shoot the man, but luckily for the trader, Swift Runner was too drunk to complete the act. He was subdued before he could do any real damage. He's good. Uh, the NWMP took Swift Runner into custody to dry him out. When he was released, they told him he should stay away from Fort Saskatchewan, and he returned to the Cree settlement some ways away from the fort. He was fuming. Hmm. The thoughts in Swift Runner's head became more vicious. He started hearing voices and became severely depressed. He believed the Wendigo was consuming him. Hmm. In February of 1879, Swift Runner's family was starving. He and his seven children, his wife, mother-in-law, and brother, all headed north to what they hoped would be better hunting territory.
1: Hmm. A large family.
0: Things were not much better where they settled. They had to shoot and eat their dogs to sustain themselves. Oh, geez. Somewhere during this time, Swift Runner's eldest son died of starvation. Some believe this was the event that sent him reeling over the edge of sanity.
1: It would be quite the trauma.
0: Swift Runner was melancholy. He was suffering from horrible headaches. He was slipping into Wendigo psychosis. He was no longer Swift Runner. He felt he was only Wendigo. Oh, no. Anthropologist Robert A. Brightman described Wendigo psychosis as an Algonquin-specific psychiatric disorder whose sufferers experienced and acted upon obsessional cannibalistic urges. <sighs> Ugh. From this point forward, we'll provide details of horrific crimes that may be extremely disturbing and traumatizing. This is your last warning. Heed it. <laughs> Scott left. <laughs> Swift Runner began to crave human flesh but kept those thoughts to himself. His mother-in-law and brother took all but one of Swift Runner's Children. children from their encampment to go search for food. After they left, Swift Runner was overwhelmed by the idea of murdering and eating his sleeping son. No longer able to resist, Swift Runner picked up his rifle and put it to the young boy's head and fired.
1: Oh, my God.
0: This didn't kill the boy right away, so Swift Runner stabbed him with his knife multiple times. The boy kept breathing. Oh, Swift Runner picked up a heavy chunk of wood laying nearby and maniacally bashed his son's head in until he stopped.
1: My God. It gets better. Uh, I don't think it does.
0: He hacked his son into small pieces and roasted the meat from his body over a fire. Swift Runner was calm as he ate his son's warm flesh. The evil voice and nagging hunger were gone for now. Swift Runner sat in the glow of the firelight, smoking and feeling generally well. Oh, screw him already. (laughs) The The thought struck him that he must find the rest of his family. I'm sure he wanted to bring them flowers.
1: I don't think that's what he wanted to bring them.
0: No. Early in the evening, Swift Runner set out to follow the trail they'd left. When he found his family's camp, his wife was concerned with Swift Runner's appearance. He was disheveled, and she knew something was wrong. She lied to him, saying that her mother and his brother had died from starvation, and they were left behind. She and the children were all that remained. (sighs) Swift Runner saw through the ruse, but didn't say anything initially. Mm. The family went to sleep. Swift Runner was awakened by the Wendigo before anyone else. He picked up his rifle and shot his wife in the neck, watching her twitch as she died. Swift Runner quickly killed his two eldest daughters with an axe. One of them struggled, but no matter. Swift Runner was literally a man possessed. No mere child had the strength to stop him.
1: Oh, this is disgusting.
0: He left only his youngest son and infant daughter alive. He took his wife and daughter's bodies to the campfire so he could butcher them, cook them, and eat them. As Swift Runner flayed his family's flesh from their bones, he ordered his son to melt snow for water and set about his grim task. Swift Runner decapitated his wife and smashed her skull, scooping out her brains nonchalantly. What the... Swift Runner and his favorite son sat by the fire amid the grisly remains and ate the cooked flesh of their loved ones. Oh. This is like a creepypasta, man. This is terrible. It is not good. (laughs) As Swift Runner ate, he stared at his infant daughter laying in her bedding.
1: Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. Hmm.
0: The voice of the Wendigo told him what he had to do. Swift Runner walked over, picked up his baby girl, and hung her from a lodge pole by the neck with a length of rope. He watched, unfazed, as the life ebbed from her.
1: Oh, God.
0: I hate this guy. More meat. Oh. Wendigo was speaking again, telling Swift Runner he must find his mother in law and brother. He gathered up his son, telling him he must be quiet as they were going hunting. He did not want him startling their prey. Swift Runner followed the trail and easily found his remaining family. They were sleeping. He snuck up on them in the dark and slashed his mother-in-law's throat with his knife. He then bashed her head in with a club, just to be sure she was gone. Swift Runner used his rifle to blow his brother's brains out all over his tent. Swift Runner silently butchered his latest kills as his son looked on.
1: This guy is just... His brutality is Well, he's possessed,
0: Yes. He's possessed.
1: Well. In his head. In He's, his head.
0: Yeah. They carried the meat back to the first camp, where it was cut into strips and hung from tree branches to cure. After feasting for a few days on the meat of their family, Swift Runner and his son moved on, hunting ducks as they went. Not out of family. Well, they should have hunted ducks in the first place. Right? In my opinion. If Not. that was an option? But what the... Yeah. Finally, Wendigo wanted its last victim. In Swift Runner's mind, his son looked like an overweight beaver, ripe for the plucking. Oh. With his axe, Swift Runner made quick work of his son, hacking his chest open and finally caving in his skull. Oh, wow. After Swift Runner butchered, cooked, and ate his remaining son, he began to head back toward the Cree settlement outside of St. Albert, which is just uh, to the west of Fort Saskatchewan. Mm. This is a tough
1: one. It, it's really quite graphic and... Uh... I'm glad that I'm through that part of it. Yeah, that that was just... Um... It was tough
0: for me to write and tough for me to read about. I was always interested in this story. I'd heard about it before, but uh, I wasn't able to find a lot of detail until I found uh, a book I ordered a an out of print book and that's where I got a lot of my detail. I'll put it in the show notes.
1: Where's it all sourced from though? Like how did the author know the details? Well
0: a lot of it is is sourced from records like there's court records and, and those kind of things afterward because this guy did admit to what he'd done. Oh really? Okay.
1: Oh, yeah. oh wow, okay. Well
0: he he told them what he had done over time, but
1: oh, okay. Yep. Oh.
0: Pretty horrific.
1: It it incredibly.
0: Swift Runner arrived in Saint Albert in March as did an early spring. People asked Swift Runner where his wife and family were. He told people that they'd died of starvation over the winter, but folks were still suspicious because he was acting weird. Mm-hmm. Members of the community brought their concerns to a local priest, saying Swift Runner was behaving oddly, was tortured by nightmares, and would scream in horror in his sleep. Yeah, you don't say. Swift Runner had scared some local Cree children, ominously asking them to go hunting with him. Can you imagine, had they gone hunting with him, what might have happened I think it's pretty safe to conclude what would happen. Yeah. The priest reported the bizarre behavior to the NWMP in Fort Saskatchewan. They questioned Swift Runner about what had happened to his family, but the facts never seemed to line up. So they were pretty suspicious of what he was hiding. They had a general idea of where Swift Runner and his family had camped. So they all set out with the help of another local guide, to find the site with Swift Runner begrudgingly in tow. Oh, oh boy, it, it would make an actually
1: quite a good movie, I think. I, absolutely, it's very cinematic in the telling. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, absolutely, and it's quite the. Uh, uh, so many details about it are c- incredibly creepy. There's a movie with Guy Pierce called *Ravenous*. Yeah, I've seen that, which is kind of yeah. about the Wendigo. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Huh.
0: It's about that cannibalistic hunger yeah, okay. and people being overtaken by it. Swift Runner m- remained tight-lipped as they went toward where he and his family had camped. That is, he was tight-lipped until the guide that was with them mentioned that he really liked booze. Oh boy. The police officers got Swift Runner drunk, drunk enough that he started to talk to them and said that he would take them to where his family had died. <sighs> he finally said in Cree... Wabanki Kiziko, which means, tomorrow I show you. The next morning, a sheepish swift runner led the Northwest Mounted Police to the place where he had committed his acts of murder and cannibalism. He tried to recant, saying a bear had done in his family, but it was clear to the seasoned officers what had happened. Mm. Among the evidence were human bones, clothing, and a pot containing human fat. Oh. One skull had a child's stocking stuffed into its eye. Swift Runner picked up another skull by the empty eye sockets and stated flatly, this was my wife.
1: Oh my god.
0: It was clear to the police officers that all these people had been murdered. Yeah. After gathering as much evidence as they could carry, the group began their journey back to Fort Saskatchewan. Upon arriving at the fort, Swift Runner made a final admission. He had made beef of his family. <sighs> You imagine you're a cop and you're hearing, you know that he's murdered them, but then he says, yeah, I, I ate them too.
1: I think there'd be a, a large, I'm sure they had him shackled and stuff, but there'd be a large, like, I can imagine the walk back feeling incredibly different than the walk there, mm-hmm. because you're going to be completely like watching this person quite differently. Yep. Knowing that he will eat his family. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Yeah,
0: Swift Runner minimized his crime, saying he'd only eaten his own family, no one else's. Oh, oh,
1: well, they, hey, hey. Yeah.
0: There you go. It's all good, then. He also stated that his mother-in-law's flesh had been tough. Oh, God. I'm not sure if that was intended as a sick joke or not. I didn't write it as a joke. Yeah. But uh, maybe he was making a, a joke. Yeah feeble attempt at one he said he had started killing his family unable to get the cries of trapped animals he'd been hunting out of his head swift runner was an imposing figure one police officer said he had as ugly and evil looking a face as i've ever seen in the one photo i could find of him which i just showed you Mm -hmm. he appears to dwarf the northwest mounted police officer standing next to him after his arrest his hands are bound to his ankle by a chain
1: yeah, no, he was an intimidating-looking <coughs> figure,
0: according yeah, looking big, at that photo. Yeah. Like, big, massive yeah, yeah. guy. Yeah.
1: I wouldn't say ugly. This made him, they made him sound quite ugly. and just look a normal person, but gigantic.
0: What he did was ugly, which may which may have skewed the how the officer views him.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. But yeah, I- imposing
0: figure. Swift Runner was to be tried on August 6th, 1879, for cannibalism and murder by a judge and jury, including some Cree-speaking members. That's good. A Cree translator was provided to make sure a Swift Runner understood the proceedings. After the evidence was presented, it took the jury only 20 minutes to come back with a verdict of guilty on all charges. He sounds guilty completely, but
1: 20 minutes seems rather quick. <laughs> it is pretty quick. <laughs>
0: Swift Runner was sentenced to die, making him the first man to be executed in what was then known as the Northwest Territories, but now it's the province of Alberta. The night before his scheduled execution, Swift Runner was offered time with a priest. He said, the white man has ruined me. I don't think their God could amount to much. Uh, Okay. So he wasn't taking any accountability for what had happened. On December 20th, 1879, Swift Runner was walked to the gallows. Before he was hanged, Swift Runner was said to have commented, I could kill myself with a tomahawk and save the hangman further trouble. Mm. Yikes. Mm. There are uh, a few other stories of Wendigo throughout Canadian history. One is of a Cree shaman named Jack Fiddler. He claimed to have euthanized at least 14 Wendigo over the years. Okay. So these are people possessed by the Wendigo.
1: I was going to say, I'm assuming not actual. Wendigo. No. Because that would be quite defined.
0: These are people he was murdering, but they were in Wendigo psychosis. Mm -hmm. Uh, When he was captured by the Northwest Mounted Police in 1909 and set to be tried, while on a walk, he escaped and hanged himself in the woods nearby.
1: Okay. I guess Uh, he
0: didn't want the, uh, the cops to do
1: it for him. I guess so, yeah.
0: Cannibalism, although rare, does show up in a few other Canadian tales. One was Vince Lee, the man who, although found not criminally responsible for the crime due to mental illness, killed in eight bits of a young fellow passenger, Tim McLean, on a Greyhound bus just outside of Winnipeg.
1: That was one of the most uh, bizarre, uh, sad, and terrifying uh, events. I remember that.
0: Yeah, that was horrific. Yeah. Tyler uh, Allen uh, of the Minds of Madness covered it in an episode that they They did, so that's kind of why I haven't done it, because he did such a great job at it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, eventually maybe we'll do it, but yeah, I thought he did a pretty fantastic job at it. I'm going
1: to have to check that out.
0: For sure. Another lesser known cannibal is a local guy. He's a performance artist named Rick Gibson. okay. And this is from Wikipedia. On July 23rd, 1988, Gibson ate flesh of another person in public. Because England does not have a specific law against cannibalism, he legally ate a canopy of donated human tonsils in London. In 1988 In 1988. yes. a year later, on the 15th of April, 1989, he publicly ate a slice of a human testicle also in London. It was fantastic. Uh, When he tried to eat another slice of human testicle at the Pitt International Galleries in Vancouver on the 14th of July, 1989, the Vancouver police confiscated the testicle hors (laughs) d'oeuvre. However, the charge of publicly exhibiting uh, a disgusting object was dropped and he finally ate the piece of human testicle on the steps of the Vancouver courthouse on the 22nd of September, 1989.
1: Okay. So the question I'm sure myself and everybody is thinking, whose testicle Exactly, that's what I'm thinking too. Because if it know. was his, he would gladly offer up. Like, yeah, I this checked. is my own testicle.
0: I checked. I'm still okay. I'm got both the boys.
1: Like, like, because you can't just you can't buy those at Seven Eleven. Nope. You know what I'm saying? Where like? are you going to get somebody's balls? That this is a great question, right? I'm, I mean, Craigslist Craig's is pretty handy, I but I, I don't wanted, think it was available. And I media. mean,
0: he had, Rick at RickGibson.net... I, I only found this out today when I was
1: writing. He, so. the, he's got a website. Yeah,
0: he's got a website. You can learn about it. I'll post it in the show notes. My, my goodness. He's no worse for wear. He's still kicking. <laughs> What's he kicking? I don't know. Oh my God. But yeah, you can email him. Why don't you email him and ask him, hey, Rick. I'm thinking about this. Where did you get the testicle? It, it... might be actually in
1: uh, on his website. That he, I'm going to do some digging. <sighs> testicle digging.
0: Yeah. I'm pretty sure he still lives locally, as on the 8th of February in 2017, Gibson walked naked in front of the Vancouver law courts in the middle of winter to protest Canada's ban of genetic engineering of
1: the human genome. Well, if you're eating the human, you're going to be concerned about the human genome. I guess so. He walked a nude
0: downtown in Vancouver for 11 minutes, 45 seconds, in a light rain and a temperature of 7 degrees Celsius. I don't know why actually anybody would keep track of how long he was
1: doing it and what the temperature was. He probably did. He probably wrote. (laughs) Yeah, he probably kept track. Yeah. What an odd duck. Yeah. That definitely. I want to email him. I'm also concerned about emailing him. (laughs) You can email him like, Uh, well, but like it could be like, what's he gonna do? uh, Lure you in under false pretenses of Mm -hmm. he's a swell fella, and next thing you know, you're minus a testicle. That could be. See, yes, right? You could be on to something here. Yo, I'm glad finally somebody's reaching out, you know, like nobody ever asks me this. We should go for a coffee and I'll be happy to regale you in all the stories of, uh, of uh, what led up to these things. And we... P.S. Bring your testicles. Br- yeah, fair enough. That's, that's what it could be, Mike. It absolutely could be that. And I'm on the next episode. You're like, Scott, you see him down. I don't want to talk about it. You okay, Scott? I don't want to talk about it. I don't feel well. I feel like half a man. Scott, like if you, like we can talk if you need. I don't want to talk about it. If that, it's because I, I, I'm missing a testicle. Yeesh. Oh, it's horrific. It is. I can't, I can't even begin it, to imagine. It, 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 it is. <sighs> I, yeah. I, I have no interest in eating any testicle. No. Cow, bald eagle. I don't think they have testicles. Uh, but whatever it is, I don't want to eat it. Yeah. Uh, we do have some more. Wow,
0: we have actually quite a few more... Oh, yeah? ...patreon patrons oh, this wow. week. Wow. Um, we have Kirby Raycraft. Hey, Kirby. He is from Nova Scotia, Eastern Passage. Oh, right on. One of my peeps. Right East out side? to you. Yeah. Thanks, Kirby. Uh, we have Wendy Furtado, and I don't think any relation to Nelly, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure she's heard that a million and one times, and I'm, I'm apologizing... Hey, I've got no problem with Nelly Furtado. I, I always
1: enjoyed her music. No, but I mean, she's probably like, oh yeah, yeah. Just people being dumb. Everybody and, should be saying to Nelly, "Hey, I heard you're related to Wendy Furtado." Wendy Furtado. That's what I'm saying.
0: My friend Paul and I'm saying that he used to say this. It wasn't me who said it. Uh, used to call Nelly Furtado "smelly turd fardo. Oh boy, am I! Here. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, you should be.
0: And Rihanna, Foley... Oh, hey, Rihanna. Yeah. From St. Mary's, on Ontario.
1: We've got a fairly strong East Coast uh, fan base.
0: Yes. Another, uh, Vanessa Squire from Miramichi, hey, New Brunswick. Another on. Miramichi person. Hey, Vanessa. I talk about horrible stories in your neck of the woods, and, and you want to support us on Patreon? That's
1: amazing. It's just a beautiful thing.
0: I appreciate that. Uh, Laura Urquhart, very active on our social media from Kerrville, Texas. Absolutely, Laura you the bomb. Texas. Jackie
1: C. Hey, Jackie. Krista Funk. That's fantastic, man. Should get the funk out. Way to go, Kristen. Krista Funk. Krista Funk.
0: Samantha Lotzi. Lotzi. I'm really sorry.
1: <laughs> but, but thank you, Samantha. <laughs>
0: yeah, from
1: Seattle. woo One of my favorite cities. I love Pacific Seattle. Northwest? Yeah, same here. And Laurie Piette from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Hey, Laurie. My father is uh, born and raised in Winnipeg. Manitoba. In Winterpeg? Yeah. So uh, where my uh, my... Portage in Maine, where it, where it gets pretty chilly? That's where my, uh, grandma and grandfather used to live. Oh, really? Until they, dis- until they died. Uh, that's, that's depressing. So. Never met my grandfather. Never met him. He died before I was born. Oh. Cancer. Oh. Yeah. But That's... I remember my uh, grandmother quite well. And they were both, uh, uh, they met immigrating to Canada from Scotland. They met on the boat. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's very cool. It is. It is. So yeah, we've got a strong Scottish heritage. That's the name.
0: So I'm off to CrimeCon tomorrow night. I know. I know you're a little jelly. Ah, it's okay. I'm
1: happy for you. I'm excited for peanut you. peanut
0: butter and jelly? No, I'm excited for you. I'm hoping that it gives us a positive jump in our number of listeners. I'm pretty sure that uh, it will have an effect.
1: I'm, I'm just—it's just going to be a great experience for you. And so that, like, if that's all you come out of it with, is a great experience, then it was hella worth it.
0: Absolutely.
1: And you'll get to meet some of uh, some fantastic people. Out there. Yeah, for sure. You should have a cardboard cutout of me though that you carry around. <laughs> I wouldn't want to pack it. It'll fold, man. I'm flying first class,
0: so maybe I'll put you in my seat. It's cardboard, dude. It folds. Well, I'll be doing a lot of kissing hands and shaking babies, as as you should. But w- wait, no, that was right. That was right. Yeah,
1: for, it's a crime con.
0: It's crime con. Yeah, my I was reminded of shaking babies by my friend Tracy uh, in the Yumber yard today oh, when yeah? she they the people were talking about what their favorite milkshake was. Mm, yes. And she she said her favorite shake was babies. T- tiny
1: babies. Oh, I saw that comment. Yeah. yeah she's it,
0: she's a funny person. Yeah,
1: it, I would let that thread though i'm like I'm, the amount of vanilla is just it's disappointing for me i'm sorry people but it's the i actually had again with uh it just
0: tells you that our listeners like me more than they like you that doesn't matter to me no it's not true it doesn't
1: matter i, I don't i don't
0: think that's true
1: ariel from the uh from our 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 group yeah. we actually had a fairly strong debate about this topic yes. because of that uh she she's correct she's pro vanilla she, she is correct and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm anti-vanilla, like, what is this? But there's a reason why people, like, if something is bland and boring, they go, oh, how vanilla. Ariel, I will buy you a vanilla milkshake one day. Ariel, I will not buy you a vanilla milkshake well, one day. Well, I will. I will not. It's, oh, how vanilla is that? It's because it's just a bland, like, generic thing. Strawberries, man, chunks of strawberries in there. So here's the thing. Chunks!
0: People who who need the the additives maybe
1: aren't quite as exciting no i really highly doubt that and i loves me i loves me a good chocolate milkshake too i love a good chocolate milkshake. Okay, there you vanilla go. is the is like the, the the last on my list of it i'm trying to there it's was not a, garbage i'm not saying, i will if somebody handed me a vanilla milkshake i'll drink it i'll go to wait i'll go to wendy's and i will get a uh a, one of their malts it's kind of vanilla it's actually really. Uh, now that I want, I want one of those. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy's
0: is just down the road. Yeah, we should go after this. I think that's a good idea. I think that's a great idea. Get uh, frosty. Yes. Uh, thank you so much for your pledges, everybody. If you want to donate to us, you can do so at Patreon.com/slash/DarkPoutine. Dark Poutine. Yeah. If definitely. you want to donate to us, you can do so at patreon.com slash darkpoutine or send us some donut money via PayPal at our email address, Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Very sing-song. Check out our website, www.darkpoutine.com, for show notes and other cool stuff. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for Dark Poutine and tell your friends. I notice uh, we get more and more and more people wanting to join us in the umber yard so somebody's telling. Yeah, only
1: one nut job so far. That was that wasn't in the umber yard. Oh, that's right. That was just on on, on, on the, the page. page itself. Oh, and let me follow over from uh I know standard this episode, but I just want to uh, mention again fuck incels. Incels. Yeah.
0: Oh, Okay, yeah.
1: Scott has a problem
0: with the involuntarily celibate. Uh yeah, I got a massive problem
1: with those Yeah, it was funny right after we... Scott ranted a lot on our our last after show about that. But the crazy thing, I had never heard of them before. Never. I'm sorry Um,
0: I told you about them. But the
1: crazy thing, like I never heard of them. I go home and I pop up Facebook and one of my friends, a good friend that we used to work with, has a... She's got a post about it and there's somebody defending them on there and I just had spent my night... Diplomatic as hell. I doubt that. No, I was diplomatic as hell, but, uh, this person was not stable. And, uh. So if you're an incel, come to the yumber Yard and tell Scott how awesome you are. Yeah, come, come, let's have it out.
0: Let's not, let's not have any of that
1: nonsense in it's there. A, a, I can't, I cannot stand misogyny. I cannot stand that kind of thinking. Yeah. So screw them. Screw them. You su- you can subscribe
0: to us on your favorite podcast directory like iTunes Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, or at our host Podbean. We've got some reviews. Uh, I've noticed now that we are getting more one star reviews.
1: It's gonna happen. It's part of success. But uh, but yeah, they're they're like it's like two or three one star reviews. Yeah, you know, honestly, like. It's yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not shocked. It's going to happen. Uh, I have a feeling I'd we'll
0: be getting another one after I ban that lady
1: from her page. Oh, probably. Day. But I don't <laughs> give a shit. I, I get, like, uh, you, you can't filter the stuff. It's going to happen. And uh, it, but I don't care who you are. People hate Mother Teresa. She's dead. I know. And they hate her probably because of that. Because she died? Because she died. But it doesn't matter who you are or what you're doing, somebody's not going to like it. If the disproportionate amount like us and a small percentage don't, good, they can eat a bag of dicks.
0: With that, <laughs> we'll end our podcast. <laughs> dicks. Don't forget to be a good egg and not a bad apple.
1: Bye-bye. Bye. bye <laughs> bye